welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide, and we have an interview for you today. I got a guy come into town. Adam's here from KGM Suppressors. You guys are always asking me about suppressors. I mean, talk suppressor, talk suppressor. I got a suppressor guy here for you. Yep. Adam, welcome to the Everyday Sniper podcast, and thanks for coming out. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, you and I have been friends for a long time. I've bounced around to a lot of places, but suppressors have been a big thing for me, and this was kind of an easy thing, coming to hang out with you and, and talk and do this stuff. We used to see each other at SHOT Show like a million years going back. It's got to be at least 15, 16 years, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, all the way back to Orlando and yeah, those times, yeah. Totally, totally. So, yeah, Adam and I have a history. Um, he's been around the industry a long time um, and, and always going with the good stuff. I mean, you, you were a KAC guy for a while. Yep. Yeah. You know, and then, then over here with, with uh, KGM Suppressors. To, for It's not a name that people, because people think, you know, oh, the Gem Techs and this name. Yep. Names you know. Yeah. Right? So Brands have been around forever. Right. Go and give people sort of a background, a history of, uh, it was KG Made, KGM. Um, you may have heard KG Made before. So talk a little bit of like company history and where you guys been. Yeah, so... Starting back uh, nine, ten years ago, um, our, our our founder Kyle Grob, he was in uh, nuclear welding, welding reactors and robotic welding and stuff like that. Uh, so naturally, he had access to machine shops and you know started his own called KG High Man. End stuff. Oh yeah, crazy <laughs> stuff. You know when you have to go inside a nuclear reactor that will melt whatever's in there because over time, the neat thing about those over time. Uh, they'd actually have weld failures inside because of the materials that was made and how old they were. Mm -hmm. So he had to design, develop ways and methods to weld them to keep them safe so that way heavy water wouldn't contaminate and leak radiation. Right, right. So he started his own uh, fabrication shop called KG Main. They did uh, race cars for a long time. He's real big in the old Datsun, so like the 280Zs and yeah, stuff like 280s, that. Yeah, 280s, 240s. I yep. had that. In Marine Corps, I had a 240, 260, 280. Yeah. Yeah, you had an amazing car, built well, really interesting, you know, uh, balance ratio front to back, yep, huge yep. engine base. So he got into doing tube chassis, welding, stuff like that. So naturally, being a gun guy that he is, he got into tinkering with suppressors. Kyle also loves titanium, which is a great material when it comes to strength and weight. So he started making cans. You know, they were big. They were focused around being quiet but accurate. So that went along. We did uh, some other stuff for other companies. We did a couple of DOD R&D contracts. And then about three years ago, the company morphed from KG Mid to KGM Technologies. We mainly focused on OEM suppressor manufacturing. We do that now. We're amazing at it. We do... On average, on the low side, about 18,000 silencers a month. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Turn that guy. That was my text. Oh, okay. Sorry. And so 18,000 silencers a month. That's on the low side. We run two shifts. Uh, we can bump it up and do as many as 22,000 if we added another shift. That's a crazy amount of suppressors. Yeah. I mean, if you saw what we go through just in raw materials, you'd lose your mind. I mean, yeah. And that is, you know, on average per month from birth to death by you know creating form tooling to getting out the door to a dealer so wow it's something that we have uh expertise in we'll say i'm just gonna say so that brings us into sort of where the market is and clearly you guys are jumping in both feet with the civilian market we, we already know you got a military component to you yep. um both on the and, and we'll talk we'll trickle in a little bit of the military stuff but you guys are full auto as well as, uh, and, and so there's different components on the military sides. But we're going to kind of focus on what we're looking at in the civilian side. And you guys are coming in um, from 22 all the way up to 338, um, and I guess 50, right? Yeah. yeah so all the way up to 50 is where, uh, you know, you can fall with these guys suppressors. So talk about, you know, how you see this market and, and, I mean, just the fact that we've been around this industry so long, we're all deaf. Yeah. So th that's kind of like number one, but we got some other things we're going to talk when we talk this. So with, uh, with KGM cans, uh, I was a consultant before I worked there and I was shooting a bunch of their cans in PRS. Uh, you know, I come from a long range precision background. Kyle does as well. So accurate rifles for us are important. 
Another thing that I have is uh, three concussions. So shooting muzzle brakes has never been a thing for me. You know, uh, massive mental fog, uh, the worst migraines you can ever imagine, being physically sick. Those are all things that I get when shooting brakes. So something I couldn't do. Competitively, your traditional sound suppressors left a little bit to, to be desired. You know, you couldn't be as competitive as a guy shooting a brake. You know, if you're on a barricade, you break a shot, you're not able to utilize the same techniques that those guys use to be able to see trace, see plate impacts, movements, misses, it, stuff like, like that. It's like a dwell time. We mm-hmm. were talking, of, there's there's a couple, just to get why suppress, right? Um, and, and we'll mix this up a little bit because Adam and I have been talking offline a little, little sooner. It's that dwell time in the can. Yeah. And so what, what happens is, is you get a push, but it's a slow push where the muzzle brake sort of snaps it short. Yeah, you get a snap, snappier, faster recovery where cans are, they elongate that dwell time. Right. And so that's where, you know, when you want to recover under time and these different things. The other thing we were mentioning, and we really don't, and we'll bring this up a couple times. Is you mentioned mental fog? Yeah, uh, you know an example I gave um, Adam earlier when we were we were talking offline was the gunsight class we just did, and, and I'm going to get to that gunsight stuff. I promise I got it written down. But the four of us were shooting suppressed, and you come off the line much better. Oh yeah, you're you're not you're you're not punch drunk. It's no, you you go home much better. Right, like you're not worn out. You're not ready to go back to the hotel and pass out. You know, you shoot suppressed, you're, you, know, you can go back to the hotel, answer your emails, make your phone calls, go out to dinner, live your life because you're not getting beat up all day. And, and we're, we'll, down the road when we talk design and metering, Adam will bring up some of the numbers that they're looking at because these are physical effects the military is looking at and they're using suppressors to fix the problems. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this started purely from a commercial application. I needed a way to be more competitive against my field. Right. You right. Know? And so, I, w- I just wanted to be able to shoot and not have the one thing that keeps me from being fucked up, you know, allow me to be as competitive as the next. Absolutely. And so now that gets us into sort of the design of these cans and... Kind of go into your philosophy, give give it the KGM background on what you're doing to, uh, you know, your your blast chamber, the different things you're doing that's helping you shorten the cans. Yep. Uh, Make them lighter. Right, lighter. More concentric. Uh, better recoil pulse. Yep. And, and those kind of things. So give them a run on that. So, again, being precision rifle focused, that was where we wanted our first cans to be. These are the things that, you know, other companies, they're going to give you a wide variety of products, and they're not necessarily going to be great at everything. We wanted to be excellent at one thing out of the gate, and that was precision rifle. That was what we love. It's what we do. So we'll start uh, just the materials. We chose grade 5 and grade 9 titanium. Both have amazing properties when it comes to strength and weight. Also, heat up and heat down. Titanium heats up really quick, but also cools down really quick. So you're talking, mm-hmm. you could shoot a stage, can gets hot, but by the time you go to your next stage, Hands already cool. Another thing that's that's really neat about the design is it's scalable. So when we first started, uh, we worked on the APEC, which if you look at our cans, the end cap is very uh, prominent in the fact that it, lo- it looks like ours. It's the only one there. Um, it was built so that way the user could adjust how the gun recoiled. They could fine-tune their recoil impulse mm-hmm. to where, like, I run a heavy comp gun, so... I run them completely open, so that way I'm getting the max amount of control, and the gun tracks the way I want it to. You're different. You and I are built totally different. We shoot totally different styles. So you may want to start plugging off holes so the gun maybe pushes a little bit different way. Yep. Tunable, right? (laughs) If you look at the weight systems, if you look at everything that we're doing, tunable is a word. Oh, yeah. I mean, because technology's gotten so good, and you know, there's more buyers now in our market, being able to personalize that mass product for the end user is important. You know, you've got managed with the TCS, you've got all the chassis systems that have weights. You know, I like peanut butter and jelly. You may like peanut butter and honey. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all the same concept, but 
marmalade. For you. Yeah, marmalade. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, and, and that's an important aspect of this is to balance these systems out, is to tune the recoil pulses to the individual, to the caliber. We are talking yep. um, calibers. And you guys are scaling your cans per caliber. Yep. And you're looking at your maximum velocities. You're looking at the different... Um, pressures that each caliber is using because that's helping you tune your cans. Yeah. So when we first started, we started with six, five, cause you know, I was shooting a lot of six, five Creed more and you know, we got it to where it worked good. We went through like four or five different revs of the end cap to where we'd cut them off. Kyle would re-weld one back on still maintain perfect concentricity, but we wanted to get it. So it felt right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never going to be a one for one for with a muzzle break, but it get you like 70% there, which is better than right. your traditional. And when I started playing with other calibers through it, I realized it wasn't as good. So we looked at it and Kyle made it a math problem. And he figured out that he could take our baffle stack with our end cap and scale it for the calibers that it needed. So and after six, five, I went down and started playing with the small sixes. So I've started shooting BR because it was easy to reload. Brass was simple and it shot phenomenal, but it didn't react the same way that six five. My heat came on if you can hear it. Yes, my AC. Don't worry about it. Well, you're good. I'll edit it. (laughs) So we went down to the six six millimeters and I started playing. You know, six BR, six GT, six Creed, and I realized that, or sorry, Kyle realized that they needed to be scaled back. So we shortened the can up. We actually changed the spacing on the end cap and we changed the baffle spacing and we apply that same methodology for every can that we go. If you look at them, you know, you'll see what the cans are, you know, can run. So, you know, 22 long rifle, you know, on the 6.5, 22 long rifle, the 6.5 PRC, but you also see what's called optimized calibers. Those were the cans that we messed with during design to work with. So on the 6.5, you've got Creedmoor, 260, 6.547, 6.5 SOM, 6.5 PRC. We designed this can around those calibers so that way it performed the exact same. And what we found was the harder you pushed them, much like a muzzle brake, the better they perform. The better the tone got, the more the end cap worked. So we go down to sixes, and that was you know developed around your BR, your BRA, your Dasher, your GT. You get into the 30 cal stuff, you've got 308 all the way up to you know 300 wind mag, PRC and 300 normal. That, and that to bring that up, because you said that you guys are rated on your 30 cal can up to PRC. So you're all the way up in the big magnums. Dude. Oh, yeah. you're, 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 so you can run the Norma, the PRC on your 30 cal can, which if you think about it, their 30 cal can is rated to a 338. Yeah. And it's 10.1 ounces and yeah. weighs, you know, full retails a thousand bucks. So price wise, it's a huge value. Caliber flexibility, it's a huge value. And weight wise, it's a monster. Right. I mean, that's that's gigantic. Um, I'm going to pause this really quick. To tr- we should be back. Are we back? I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Give me some. All right. There. We're running. We're okay, running. We're Sorry about on. that. I ought to turn my thing off. And so I was making sure we're back. So we, we are back and we're ready to go. So, yeah, I mean, in, to where we, we, we left off. That you're rated for the, the, the these magnum calibers, and one of the things you're saying, the harder you push it, yep. the better it works. I've had cans in the past that didn't like speed and velocity, yep. and you talk about what that effect is. Yeah, so you know, some cans out there, depending on their baffle design, uh, will get these unequal pockets of pressure throughout the baffles, and as you're you know as you shoot them harder and faster, run more pressure into them. They'll build and build and build. And what that does is it actually gives you some bullet instability from having these unequal pockets impart force on the bullet as it goes through the aperture down the baffles. I mean, we always say not all suppressors are created equal. And, you know, we'll, we'll, when we get into metering in a second, we'll, we'll talk about this different levels. But I, I wrote down, you guys, you guys had an order of what you were looking at in these designs. So you were, you were looking at one because your precision rifle guys is your accuracy. Yeah. So it had to at bare minimum maintain the host weapon system because you, know, you, you spend money on a, a good AI or any of these custom built rifles. 
accuracy is important. You know, that gun better shoot in the side one hole or whatever your accuracy window is, and the cans shouldn't affect any of it. Uh, we've had guys that will put the cans on. They'll have minimal to no POI shift. Uh, you know, the most I've seen is a tenth to two-tenth, which is on mm. the minimal side. Uh, we've had guys at matches spin their brakes off. Cans weigh about the same as a you know an APA fat bastard. They'll spin the can on. There's no suppressor boost in it, and they'll actually shoot. You know, most two days that we come or we go to, at least one or two people end up switching over to the shooting a can. Nice. So nice. accuracy. Then your 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 point of aim, point of impact shift. Yep, minimal to no is what we try to say, and, and that's where your weight comes yep. in, and and then your recoil reduction, and part of that is your tunable system as well as your size. Yep. So. Uh, Recoil reduction based off the APEC, you know, POI and accuracy are going to be based off two factors being, you know, the size and weight being one, but also how concentric the can is. Most folks don't ever spin cans to see how concentric they are. We check them on barrels. Mm -hmm. We never check cans, you know, Thunder Beast is phenomenal at it. And there's a couple others, but for us, the max that we want to allow is about seven foul run out from the back of the can to the front of the can. So we want it to be straight. That gives you the benefit of a completely concentric aperture as your bullets transferring from rifling into can and out of can. And that it, one of the benefits we were talking going a little shorter. Yep. Because your cans is that fixes that runout problem a little bit. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So you're you're reducing any potential threading issues and things like that by making these cans just slightly shorter. And yeah, I mean the same can be said on our three thirty eight, which yeah. you have in your hand is pretty long. Yes. Um and then la you know, getting into his signature reduction, so Minimal flash, um, you know, low thermal because, you know, titanium does heat up, but it also disperses quicker. Uh, and another one being ground disturbance. So that's our signature side of things. And then last, you know, was sound. We knew that if we designed it with the right attributes, sound would eventually come. And what people think is quiet, you know, is a totally different real world DB number, which we'll get in down the line. And, and, and yeah, let's, we can jump right into metering. And, and so they... Sound though, tell people like sound is down the line. Yeah. So it's, it's really not your primary. Yes, we're suppressing the sound and we're looking at this, but these suppressors do so many other things. The sound suppression is our main number one focus. Why am I getting a suppressor? I want to, you know, do that sound. But just like we spoke about your accuracy, your shifts, your recoil reduction, your gas blowback. Um, you know, all those different things, signature and thermal, those are all part of it where the sound, like Adam just said, will be there. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to look at, or at least we look at cans as a system, much like we look at all weapon systems. You know, you have an optic, you have the gun, you have the ammunition. It's when they all work in that beautiful ballet of execution is when it comes together. Any one of those points is great, but when you can factor them all together and they perform the way you want, that's that's when you really start making the money. No, totally. And and so let's that let's kind of jump into the metering side because metering's changed. Yes. Um, your number one, the better shops like uh, you guys, uh, uh, Thunder Beast. We talked about we are using a pulse meter now. Yep. Um, you're you're not using the typical sound meters. You, you, the old the days of the old Larsons and the old B and K single posts. They're gone. And you know. I have to give a lot of kudos to Ray at Thunderbees. He worked, you know, initially with B and K to apply that technology, which has been used for more than just sound suppressors. Like talking with the guys in B and K, their big customers are like Apple, John Deere, Ford. Yeah. You know, they're metering sound on vehicles the same way that we're metering sounds on suppressors. And Ray had a ton of foresight to see that this technology was applicable here, and it truly changed how at least sound suppressor companies should meter their products. Because if you go to the old B&Ks and the Larsons, they give you a small picture of what an impulse, or impulse signature was. What, what, what was the biker guy at SHOT Show when he had his iPhone meter and said yep. his can was 79? Mm -hmm. Look, my iPhone said 79. Yeah. yeah. Little does he know that, you know, that microphone attenuates. It's done, it was done at 80. You yep. know, it doesn't go above 80. <laughs> it's, uh yeah. So most people, they have this... Thought That's process. a true story, by the way. It is. I stood there. It's when I complimented Mike on having a vo voice like Cavassier. <laughs> yeah. It, so. uh, but yeah, most people, they, we've come from so long of using these old numbers that when you see numbers that are higher, 
that are more realistic and more real world applicable. It has a tendency to scare some people off. Like, you know, most cans, if you're looking on the old style of systems, that would give you one, you know, 140 is a, just a generic number. Chances are it's probably 148 dB on real world. Right. And the pulse will give you an amazing picture from multiple points. So, you know, one meter left of muzzle, one meter right of muzzle, and then off the shooter's ear. You can either isolate those individual or you can run the cumulative and give you a full spectrum view. So the old single posts, they just give you a little snapshot. So draw a triangle. That's your impulse signature. If you go to that top like eighth before the peak, that's where the old ones would measure and then down. So you'd have this kind of a bias curve, we'll say. The pulses now give you that full triangle of impulse signature plus forward. So I can like I start metering 500 milliseconds before that that shot goes off. Right, right. And in and, and milliseconds and microns, man, all that stuff matters. So it's kind of like a BC situation yeah. where, you know, guys want that bigger, better BC. And then they start talking about, well, that's marketing, that's marketing. In in the suppressor world, your sound is, is a marketing and all that. And I've been around the Larsons. I've been around the BKs with Ray and everything like that. And, and you know, yeah, you can skew that stuff really easy and play games with it. So now, like, one, we you know, where do most of our suppressors operate? And they're usually between that 30 and 40 dB reduction. Yeah. And to we you know the details in that matter because 30 to 40 is a decent swing. Oh yeah, I mean you're talking about 175 down to 135. You know, even if it's 175 down to 140. I mean, the the reduction from bare muzzle to down to what is, you know, what it is suppressed. Those are the numbers numbers that really matter because right. that's the reduction in acoustic pressure that's being put out. It's also the reduction of overall ground disturbance. Um, you know, you, you shoot with your mouth open, you shoot a break, you're catching all that pressure in your sinuses. Yep. You know, being able to cut all that down as well as make it enjoyable to shoot, you know, on the acoustic side of things is important. I mean, it sounds whiny, but the physical kind of punishment we take yeah. just shooting this much, I, I feel it, man. I'm older now and I'm beat up. My ears are destroyed. You know, my sinuses are new. Think about it with the big magnums, man. Yeah. Like shooting traditional three, like three thirty or traditional cans on three thirty eights, man. You know, five rounds and you're like, ah, that that pop and punch kind of hurts. Being able to cut that out, you know, now get all the same benefits of seeing trace and everything, but being able to stay on that system longer. We have a an MRAD and we have a Brand A, we'll call can. And I'm good for about three or five rounds. Throw our 338 on there. I've shot 40, 50 rounds in an entire sitting. Yeah, yeah. It just allows you to be more comfortable, allows you to make more intelligent decisions on and off the gun. So, and by the way, speaking of 338, 250 class bullets are the truth. I'm telling you, nobody wants to listen to me. Uh, nobody wants to hear me. So our MRAD, uh, we, we get to play with a lot. My, my boss is amazing. He let us set up like a loading room at the office because mm -hmm. shooting factory 338s, it's expensive. So we you yeah. know, invested in it so that way we could load it. And when we made the decision for projectiles, uh, I looked at you because I, I believe a lot of what you say. And we went to 50 grain hybrids and 250 grain hybrids at 3070. We shot it over the AB Doppler and it was one of the most consistent cans he had ever shot over there. And that bullet just performed magically. I shot it out to... It's what it was meant to be. It's yeah. sort of like tuning how you're supposed to. And I, I get it, the 300s do well. But usually when you look at the 300, it does well somewhere. Yeah. It's and it's a, not always where you want it. Yeah. And, and that's to what I found. I mean, but I to me, the 250s are, um, yeah, like crazy. But the, the, the last thing I wanted to say with the metering everything is now you're seeing bigger numbers. Yeah, and don't and, be scared of Right, those. exactly. Don't be afraid of where these numbers because the machines are better. The, the metering is better. So we're, we were in the like the 140 range of reading single yeah. posts. Now you might see something in the 150s. Which is okay. You know, as, a, you know, as technology evolves, we get smarter and better about things. You know, there's old B&Ks. That was the best that we had commercially for a very long time. Now that, you know, the Pulse and there's a couple other systems coming out 
are available. Yeah, they're a big investment in resources, but they're available now and they give you uh, they give you a better full spectrum view of it. And we just get smarter and we get better and you just have to adjust your expectations with that. And it's not saying that cans are louder. It's just trying to adjust the end user's expectation of what we have known for so many years. Right. And, and we are changing where you're putting meters and yep. how you're putting the meters and then like trying to balance the average of at the shooter with the muzzle. Cause clearly if you're behind it, it's going to be a different number and that could be a really great number. And then when you're in front of it, you're going to have a less number. And so you, it's balancing the two to say, this is a clear picture of what you can expect. And it, it's good for the customer because now they have a, you know, a true unbiased, you know, pure data that they can pull from. And the nice thing is that we can also use that same system for more than just sound. We use it for uh, quantifying and giving hard and fast data on recoil because mm-hmm. those same, you know, it's a data management system. So you can pull your microphones and put your recoil pressure sensors in. We mount it into our, uh, our fixture, which I showed Frank and I'll see if we can get some pictures to put up, but um, it allows us to show you and quantify, you know, what this cat, you know, this rifle does with this caliber, you know, bare muzzle, what it does with a muzzle brake, what it does with our can. So that way you can truly see. And it, it, it basically allows us to step up to the plate, you know, show, show you and prove what we're saying is what we're seeing. And it's not just a, a sales tactic. And the fact that companies other than us are doing it is huge. Yeah. And, and that's, it's, it's raise all the levels up, get everybody on the same page, and, and then you can you can kind of look at that, which I, I want to kind of jump into a uh, design side. One, talk your 22 because your 22 can, it just, I was like, Ooh, I can't stop. That's always been playing with the whole time. Uh, rarely the 22 can. It, it, it's it's just been, it's been nuts. Um, I don't know if it's the color. It's, uh, it's purple. No, it, 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 <laughs> it's a, it looks like a race car. That's why. Yeah, probably. So like your most traditional 22 cans, you know, they're an inch OD some milling features, not a whole lot, you know, but every 22 can looks like a 22 can, uh, for us, because we try to think different and we're, you know, we want to be application specific. You know, we built a 22 can for precision rifle 22s. You know, there's more people now buying voodoos and Remexes, uh, the CZ trainers, you know, they're yeah. PRS 22, NRL 22, even the ELR stuff is getting bigger and bigger. So trying to cater to those guys, um, so we looked at it. We made it uh, an inch 20 OD where your traditional cans are an inch. Uh, we got a little bit more aggressive on the, uh, the machining side. So it looks real pretty. Um, made it simple for takedown using modern hand tools because, you know, we lose specialized tools. I lose. Right. Totally. I'm the wrenches. same way, dude. Yeah. I can't, I don't, it's like you never carry all the different keys and wrenches that we have. But if you got a, a spanner wrench or sorry, a, a, a crescent wrench, you're right. good. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it weighs 2.2 ounces. You know, it's made of grade five titanium for the blast baffle uh, mount and body. And then, you know, the rest is aluminum. Have you guys looked at, I know a dude did a video recently about the 22s that said the cans throw them off at the farther distances. Have you guys looked at any of that? We could play with it when we go out to the range. So, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, and that's one thing. We designed this can the same way as we did others. Minimal to no POI. Um, Rob Curtis, who we were talking about, I had him shooting my Rimex at 100 yards with CenterX, and he did a 10-shot can on, can off, you know, and to see if there was any change in group, any change in uh, POI shift. Uh, so he'd shoot 10 rounds with the can on, take it off, shoot 10, then shoot another 10 with the can on. Uh, the can on had no, you know, shock rate, beautiful zero. Um, when he took it off at a 10th low groups got bigger without it. And then when he went back to the can, it came right back up that 10th and shot that same size group. Nice. So, you know, yeah. when you're going to shoot 22s, I mean, my 22 costs as much as my comp. Guns. Totally. I mean, yeah, we're, we, you know, we're, we're talking plus 5,000 yeah. bucks on 22s. So yeah. why not design these cans the same way we do our center fire? You owe it to the customer to do that. Right. And, you know, and we've seen it. Like I said, there's videos out there. Guys are talking about it. And, and with the 22s being so popular, I mean, the, the voodoos and everything are now going into the bench rest world yep. with what they're doing. The, the, the ELR world with what they're doing. And then the competition world, which technically can be a tick more forgiving 
Yeah. But they're they're pushing these things. But those guys are still shooting. They're, yeah, a ton. They're twenty twos. The right. Like mine. I still shoot my twenty two gun the same way I shoot my comp gun. If I'm doing accuracy development, if totally. I'm doing uh, dope gathering, you know, you, they treat them the same way. It's just you know a gun that you know you don't load ammo for and a little bit softer in recoil. And twenty twos right now, I think are probably the best bang for the buck in training. Oh, big time, you big know? time. It, it, it's it's. There's nothing you can't do with them, really. Yeah. And, and they scale. You can play the game and say, oh, I shot 100. That's 400. You know, I shot 200. That's my 1,000. Oh, I shot 400. That's my mile. I mean, if you think about that, that's that's fantastic training. Oh, yeah. Like, for me, I'm notoriously bad at wind calls. I'm getting better. Uh, so I've, at least once in the morning, you know, I'm lucky that I have some space to shoot at my house. You know, I have 22. I'll come out, piece of steel, break a shot, and just try to make one shot one good wind call, yep. be done with it. Yep. You know, because I can work in a reduced space that equals something that would be the same as my BRA. Uh, it, it works well, and it doesn't cost me a lot to shoot it. No, totally, totally. So let's jump into now. Where do you guys see the future? Where are we going, not only with suppressor technology, but maybe with the politics around suppressors, um, you know, what we're doing with, with the electronics uh, to, to get through the paperwork easier. I mean, at the end of the day, once you get that first can, yeah, that's that's usually, you know, that 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 pops your cherry. Get that first can. And then after that, it's 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 a lot easier on your brain. You know, it's it's like, hey man, I got it. I'm over that. And I can use this one while I'm waiting for that one. Yeah. And so we'll say 90% of first time suppressor buyers are buying a can that's a kind of do all because right. most most of us all make the assumption of like i'm just going to buy one and i'll move it around host to host and it'll be fine and that's fine you know I, a suppressor is better than no suppressor yes you know if you're legally allowed to own them i believe you should absolutely buy them regardless if they're ours or anybody else's it's a right you have it's something you need to do uh, and i think you'll end up finding you'll enjoy shooting more so most guys are going to buy the first one that's either going to be a super super quiet you know it's the quietest thing they could ever get or right. B, they're, they're researching sound. Yeah. 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 Or B, they're just buying, you know, whatever the most popular do-all can is. And there's a bunch of great ones out, you know, the Sandman S, uh, the Surefire, uh, SOCOM series, you know, they're, uh, what else are, the OSSs, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of big name, you know, uh, available everywhere cans. Um, a lot of Silencer Shop. Yeah. Or not Silencer Shop, Silencer Co. is what I meant. You see, because yep. sounds the close. Omega thirty is a great suppressor, and, and and they do a lot of the the um different mounting options, so it becomes really easy to find mounts yep. for uh, silencer co. So you see a lot of first time suppressor people with those cans because, like Adam's saying, they are generally more universal. And then what is it? The hybrid that they kind of advertise for everything. Yeah, it's so- sort of like pistol all the way up. So the 46 cal cans, um, that's one, because there's a bunch of companies that do them, but that's one I always kind of tell people to stay away from. If that's your first can or you're looking at it, I would steer you away. Like, buy a great 30 cal can. Uh, that's where I go. Like, I tend to go 30s because it, it's universal to me. Yeah, and, you know, as people become more refined in their taste, you know, they're going to look for other attributes and what, you know, what those suppressors are. But, you know, the market's going to go, I think, as more people buy – they're going to start looking at those niches things. They're going to look for, you know, I have this weapon system. What is the best can that doesn't give me any detriment, gives me performance increases. So they're going to look at that. And then I also think you're going to see a huge uptick in suppressor purchasing as well as any other NFA item come around October. Um, Mm -hmm. Words and whispers have been uh, E-Form 4s are are coming around that time. Uh, The ATF has made it known, so this is not private insider information. No, they've been working... The barcode system and the different electronics, like through the kiosks. And one of the things that like, you know, to kind of jump into the politics for a minute, people thought, well, okay, we're making this easier so they'll get rid of it. That that kind of, I'm going to wait. No, they made it easier so they're not going to get rid of it. Yeah. So, you know, if anything, and I'm not a political person, but we'll we'll stay status quo for the next few years. I. I highly doubt that anything's going to change. I think we'll be status quo. But there, there were people for like almost like a two-year two block 
that were thinking these were going to come off the books. No. No. They're so, making way too much money. Yeah, that's the thing. At the end of the day, you know, I like paying my bills. I'm sure you do too. The government really likes paying bills and using other people's money. So right. they're never going to get rid of the, the $200 you know, uh, NFA charge, I guess we'll call it. But you're going to find the fact that just like E-Form 1s, you're going to have a quicker turnaround time. So those days of mm-hmm. 9, 12 months wait are going to go away. Do you guys pay any attention or look at the um, home builder market? Yeah, it's neat. Um, we're supporters of it. You know, mm-hmm. just we love the freedom to do the things that we want to do. You know, if guys want to do Form 1 cans, by all means. My first SBR was a Form 1. Right. You know, if that's what it takes to get you in, do it. You know, because you're going to find, you know, you'll find what makes them good. And you're going to find what makes them bad. You know, no can is perfect in every aspect. You'll find some negative, I'm sure. And, you know, all it does is make a more informed buyer on the second time around. Okay, there you go. You know, uh, th- there's some really pretty cool ones out there. There's a lot of resources in the Form 1 uh, suppressors. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. I, I support it completely. Um, what about like exotic uh, material? I know there was the guys in Texas that tried to go the carbon fiber route for a while and it never quite worked. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they can get it there if they really want to within its limitations. So uh, when it comes to exotic material, that's actually one of our pillars inside of our company because KGM does a lot more than just silencers. Uh, we also do uh, our, you know, internal R&D. We do R&D for other companies as well as for some DOD resources. Uh, we do material science research, so the development of uh, exotic materials being used in other applications. We also do uh, coatings, so in-house nitriding, as well as a few other proprietary ones that we do. Um, reason why we do all that is to be vertically integrated, but to also have a number of different uh, revenue streams, but also the ability to take ideas from all those. You know, Being able to find a material that maybe it didn't have Okay, we'll use barrels, for instance, because I know this one. I won't say names, but I'll say the, some stuff I can. So barrels. Most of us use most use 416R. Mm-hmm. You know, Bartland did really cool with the new BB steel. Um, but there are other materials that machine better than 416 that maybe don't have the corrosion resistancy. So let's take, you know, material A, that is 416R. It'll take material B, which is nah. whatever. Um, you could cut the price of a barrel down to, you know, in half, nitride it. I was so you can say coat it. Coat it so you can stabilize it. Yep. Um, you're going to get a harder barrel that machines better for less cost. There's opportunities in those other industries to bring that technology over into the shooting world because, you know, how long have we been doing the exact same thing yeah. with the exact and same stuff? that's kind of where I was getting at mm-hmm. is we, we, we tend to, you know, flatter and repeat, flatter and repeat. It's like constantly doing the same thing we've done. And then it takes somebody to go, Hey, wait a minute. Well, why are we doing it like that? When we, I mean, like just off the top of my head, I'm thinking, cause I've talked to him recently is Mike Resignio at TAC ops. Yep. You know, you always get the call from Mike. Hey, your guns at Birdsong. Well, Birdsong is what they put in subs. Yeah. It's the paint and it's like a dampening. You'd yeah. almost think like, I mean, yeah. there's other coatings, you know, yeah, absolutely. there's like, stuff that, you know, you can now use to coat that cuts IR signature. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like a rubberized dampening sub kind of paint. Oh, we, we've done that in lieu of like just playing around because I get right. to do a lot of silly stuff, uh, you know, utilizing materials from other industries for bedding compounds and chassis, mm-hmm. you know, that are easily, uh, easy to apply that clean up a lot easier than you know, your traditional brand text, yeah, yep. you know, that. It's kind of a nightmare. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, you know, there's nobody from NASA or Blue Origin or any of these other companies coming into our industry and showing them. Where we have that benefit is we have guys that have been, you know, high-end guys at DARPA uh, mm-hmm. that have owned. I mean, really, if you look, they just jump into the proofs and the carbon fibers yep. and, and all those NASA guys and the, that type of people, when they talk materials, we only ever hear about the carbon fiber barrel yep. part of it. But there's so much more. Oh, absolutely. I mean get into magnesium alloys you can get into all different kinds and being able to pull you know guys that were nuclear you know reactor uh you know in the led tech industry uh in the automotive side you know being able being able to take an idea that you would have never thought about because i just don't have that background like i'm a gun guy you know i have worked for a ton of companies i've 
I've been around, I know kind of what works and what doesn't work, but I also have no idea what they're doing in automotive. Right, you right. And, 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 you know, that's kind of funny because we get so many of the NASCAR guys and they they got ranges at the racetracks. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're, we're not working together in a way. I mean, I, I watch NASCAR, listen to that stuff, you know. You're Shout telling out. me that engineering doesn't take place on a car that can go 200 miles an hour right. and handle. Like, there's stuff that those guys do in their sleep that most engineers in our space have never thought about. And, and that's just it, is, is thinking outside the box, going into these other directions, and, and exploring, you know, what can be done, and taking a risk. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, kind of with some of those shutdowns and, and the different things that are going on and pushed us more into sort of a virtual world, that should open up somebody to take a risk. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm out here by myself. They're not letting me hang out with other people. Try something. Yeah. Do something slightly different than we've always thought. Or look into other industries, see what they're doing and how that might apply. And I mean... Because I tend to, not, like you, you and I mentioned, we need a hobby that's not in the gun world. Oh, yeah, because it just becomes consuming. I mean. Because it is. I don't have another hobby, really, that's not not in the gun world. That's, you know, maybe the video and the photography. And I'm really, trying to convince Frank to start a band. Yeah, yeah, do the band. We'll do the, I'm a terrible guitar player. But, don't worry. We <laughs> could just be two guys just, you know, yeah, yeah. hitting strings. We'll do, we'll, do, we'll do punk. Okay. Yeah. yeah you, you Three know. chords real fast. Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, we'll do that. And, and, but yeah, it's, it's getting these other hobbies because it turns into a situation where 24-7, this is all we think about. It's we wake up and it's like, well, how do I solve this problem? That's really not a problem. No. <laughs> it's just we look at it as something to be solved. Yeah, we just we're like that one thing while it works, it doesn't work the way I want it to. Right. So it's now a problem for me. Yeah, yeah. So let me fix it. And and how we get the constant reinventing of the uh, of the same wheel or somebody look at it. Nah, we already t- tried that. It didn't work. Well, but. a neat story. Um, a buddy of mine, Cal, he's a retired rocket scientist. You know, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came up with a, a pretty cool product that was really just. Simple and ingenious. People had done it before, but wasn't executed the way. And he's like, yeah, just that was the basics of how we would, you know, close a door inside this. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. So it's something that, you know, we're taking from him. We're going to take on the manufacturing and retailing. Yeah. But it was just a, something so simple that why didn't I think of that? Yeah. That And it's probably something they stopped doing in 1985. You got it. That would work for us today. Yep. It's like in 1985, we used to do this. But then we switched to this, you know, but that thing over there was pretty simplistic and worked pretty well for 30 years. If you guys did it, it would work for you for the next 30 years and then you'll figure something else out. Well, think of how overcomplicated we make things in the firearms industry. Yeah. Like uh, talking about the taper mount on our can, you know, we spent more time developing that taper. And and actually we, that, I have it there, and we didn't talk about muzzle devices. So they do have, I got it right here, they have a mount. Yep. So some of our cans uh, do a taper to thread mount. The other ones are ASR compatible. So like we talked about with modularity, mm-hmm. if you already have a, a dead air chemo mount or you have a silencer co ASR, you can take the titanium direct thread out of our can, screw their adapter in, and now mount it on your muzzle device that you already have. But on our taper to thread mounts, it was... Really simple. Everybody wants secondary retention because they're afraid of cans loosening or shooting off. So what we did, uh, Kyle, um, being the genius that he is, he made the taper such an extreme angle that the second you'd get it to touch and shoulder, it'd lock. And we'd have to put a wrench on it and bang it off. And he gradually reduced and reduced it until we got you know full 360 degrees of contact. But the more important thing was when you'd snap it on, it would take 3x the pressure to take off. I've never shot one off, and this is the same mounting system we use for our belt-fed suppressors. I mean, you could feel it. If you just kind of take it with your fingers and slide it in and then till it stops, and then when you go to unscrew it and, and just really light, you could feel that it's actually bites. And so you're, 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 you're screwing down, and it locks up one pressure. And then when you're unscrewing it, like Adam said, it's three times more and even just on your fingers, you feel that 
pinch. And the nice thing about that, you know, you don't have to worry about your can settling in on the taper. You know, some, when you get it, it might touch one spot. You shoot, you know, take a shot. And it's set, right, settles, right. You know, your, point, your point impact will shift at that point. But then, you know, you have full engagement. And we, I always still, and, and it doesn't really change because I have that snap technique um, with, like, my AI barrels. Yep. I'll always change my barrels up and be looking for that first settle-in shot. And I snap it in a way that I'm trying to reduce that settle-in shot. And it generally does if I'm consistent in my snap. Um, but, yeah, that's, you but know. But if you ever, you know. If you have to crank and go, mm-hmm. it saves you from that. Right. You know, I'm the definition of lazy. I, you know, there's a little maintenance I can do on my stuff. You know, I want to go out and get it to perform. So if there's times where I just forget to give it the oomph, but I know that half an oomph is, is good, good to enough. go. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll keep rocking with it. I mean, we, we try to do processes. We try to go and say, I'm going to do the same thing every time and be consistent. But there, like, and there are days where we're just not up to speed, you know, or, or, or we're, we're a little under. You know, you're day 15 on, you know, 20 days on the road. Right, right. <laughs> and, and so you're not doing it the same, but you still have to perform because it might be a new crew. I mean, that's one of the things, you know, he talks about day 15 on a 20-day trip. Mark and I get in the car, and we go from, you know, place to place to place to place, and we drive across country, and we're setting up. You know, we still have to be fresh day one for the new crew of people. We still have to look good. And, and you know, when we went to Utah, we were kind of talking, you know, because we're putting guns together and we didn't shoot as much in front of people this time because the guns were apart. And it's like, we have to kind of fix that. And we were talking about it. It's the old adage, the road to hell is paved with bad demos. Yes. So, you know. You go through enough of those in life, you have to build yourself in some like safety nets. Totally. Yeah. And, and, and what ends up happening is you just don't do it. Yeah. You, you end up going, ah, these guys are fine. They don't need to see me shoot, you know? And, and it's like, well, then somebody asks because there's one guy in the class who doesn't really know you as well and expects to sh- see you shoot. And then when you don't, they go, you only shot here. And it's like, yeah, I shot that tripod stage. And they're like, but you didn't do this. And it's like, yeah, you got me. I didn't. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a good story on this. So uh, I was down at Bragg, and I will give my friend uh, Bill Graytech a shout-out. I was doing a demo, and I was showing him the minimal to no POI shift. And I do it very specifically. You know, if you want, and this is for anybody, if you're going to take a can off and put a can on and do POI shift, you put it back on with the same pressure every time. So he took the can off, put the can on, and was like, Hey, there's a, there's a two mil shift. And I was like, Whoa, never have I seen this. I'm like, what happened? He's like, yeah, I just kind of put it back on. And I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> so I put a wrench on it, gave it a whack. He pulled the trigger and it went inside the same hole that he first had the can on with. Yeah. You know, and I just kind of laughed cause it was that same thing. You know, if I wasn't paying attention and I didn't shoulder it all the way, you know, you you give yourself that bad look in front of people that you want to impress. Mm-hmm. Now it, it, just real quick with threading for people that are going to put these cans on, because we are seeing a jump back to like the 34s again, people wanting oh, bigger. Yeah. And it's it's weird because to kind of jump with Resignio, Resignio does less with more shoulder, but then you're looking at the, the, the muzzle or, or the hole. Yep. Is it tightening up? Is it changing when you're doing more there because you're playing with the material around it? Or do you want more thread, less shoulder? Because we're, we're kind of two different sides of the spectrum, and I don't think it's balanced out yet So, in terms of mindset. Where do you guys fall? Uh, so for us, it, it, sorry, I'll speak for myself. Um, you could do Royal Wee, but I yeah, know you're, Royal yeah, Wii. yeah. Um, so on my guns, I run three-quarter 24 okay. on everything. You know, I think you get a better shooting barrel out of it. I think you have, uh, it's a little bit easier, especially when loading, to get an accurate barrel. Uh, and you don't crush as much material down. But I lose shoulder by going with that big mm-hmm. of, a, of a thread. But if the shoulder is completely square and concentric and threads are cut good, that's the benefit. Because there can be a, ton, you know, a gap. If you look on the inside, 
there's a there's a healthy amount of distance. And there is a, and that's why I brought it up because you know, is it nine sixteenths or is it going to three quarter? Because I have both here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and they tend to run the spectrum. So the question always comes up: Where are we falling today? Because you know everything we do for like six five three oh eight is five eights. Always, unless you go to a bigger profile. Right. So like I told you earlier, you know, I run one two five straights, which are mm-hmm. truck axles. You know, if you cut a five eighths out of that, it looks silly. It That's lo- the one on that. The, actually, I have a one two on the uh, AT we're going to bring. Yep. And that has a five eighths, so we can compare and show the difference. Yeah. And if you, you know, as the gunsmith is cutting in and, you know, removing all that material, yes, some's coming off. They're also pinching the bore. And I didn't know this until I went to Gordy Gritter's class down in Texas. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he slugged too. We cut it first at five eighths 24. It was tight, you know, going down from one, two, five to that, you do pinch material. And we did three quarter 24, which is what I've changed you now. And it was smooth bore all the way through. Yeah. So you're Um, getting a consistent barrel and you're not kind of, because we are putting pressures on the material. You're going to push it through. And so that does become a question is where are you falling for material? So there's a good, good kind of tip that Adam's got. Plus with three quarter, you get a much bigger crown. A bigger surface face. Mm-hmm. If you ever ding it up, yeah, and they have the ability to go down to five eighths twenty four to cut that away, and it's uh, a significantly less jump from that inch to five from three quarter down to five eighths. So you get the same same as like a setback. If you ever dinged up your threads or got a nick on your crown, you can cut it down and reface everything. One of the things we're not. I mean, you you have a gas gun here. Um, in oh yeah, we actually didn't talk about. Any, the benefits of all the gas guns. Yeah. yeah, you can. Okay. But, um, I want to talk a gas, but, uh, God, I've, I've just lost my train of thought in a second. I know. We, we have to talk gas. So go to gas and I'll re-pick up my, my thing. So talk about the gas pressures. Yep. Uh, so before we transition, Knights actually does three-quarter 24 on their gas guns. Do they? Okay. They do. Uh, everybody else is 5 ace 24. Uh, the reason behind why they did it was you had more, you know, you had bigger face, if you ever dinged it up, you could put it down. But if you dinged the shoulder, it wasn't close to your four. Right. So, um, but yeah, the with our cans, because our main focus on the end cap was recoil reduction, we got a beautiful secondary feature of reduced back pressure. So instead of all that pressure coming back down the, the bore, out through the system, causing the system to run faster, you know, everything's you know, vented out the front and we'll shoot that on the 260 this weekend or mm-hmm. this week. But yeah, um, shooting on gas guns, no need to adjust your gas box app. You know, I think maybe one or two clicks is most I've ever done. Half the time I just rock it and go. Um, yeah, you're getting light can that reduces back pressure that allows the system to run the way it was de- designed and developed to. And yeah. like we run SP 10 M's Maddie and the guys at Seekins are awesome. They build the, that gas gun is the closest thing I've ever shot to a bolt gun. Yeah, I have both the twenty-two and, and the fifteen-inch, and it is amazing. And I, I mean, I did the I did the tour with with uh, Glenn and those guys, and there's a video that you can see. They're tuning that system on both ends, mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, Adam's got the the uh, the two ten M there that that's here, and it's the same thing in my video. So if you want to see where we're running and what's going on, if you go to the Seekins videos on YouTube. You'll see all the same stuff that they talk about, but it's 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 a front and back tune. It's just not a gas block tune. Yeah, the no. gas system. Glenn is tuning both sides, and I mean his guns are just so damn accurate. And the thing is, they're so soft. Yeah. And when you add, you know, certain traditional cans, you change that profile. You make the gun move more because of that increase in pressure, increase in bolt carrier speed, being able to vent it reduce recoil, but also vent that back pressure allows it to run in that same window. So on our SP10M, you see about a 3% in bolt speed increase, which is negligible. Yeah, that's not minor. And, and, and the last thing with the with the semi-autos is the military's really, really looking at the lead coming back and the blowback that's putting that in your face. You guys know you shoot an AR with a, with a can and, and you come home and your face is black. Yeah, you get gassed out, your eyes are watering. Right. You know, you're breathing That's all that in. giving all of us lead poisoning. Yeah, I mean, you're, you have unburnt particulates, carbon, noxious gases. Uh, there are uh, 
It's called a gas box test. We do it at our facility, but it was originally developed and designed by NSW um, to measure all those fumes coming back because it is a health hazard. Yes. You know, I don't care what anybody says. You breathe in enough carbon, you're, you're going to get fucked up. And, and, and that's just what it comes down. To. I mean, there's all these little things that go into this that people may not realize. Like I said, the threading that, that that's happening out there. And, and where's the question? Where do you fall with threads? And if, and if this is going on, that's going to be a more consistent, more accurate. And maybe you're, Maybe you turned around and threaded a barrel and you pinched it up a little bit and it's not shooting as well. And then you're wondering, well, what the heck? And it's just that barrel didn't like being threaded there. Yeah. You know, and it might be a case, take that half inch, cut it off and try something different. You know, uh, it sucks uh, that it may happen, but. We all make decisions based off of money initially. And most of the time you learn from bad decisions and mistakes and you don't make those again in the future. Well, even just, you, you know, we were talking earlier about barrel lengths and stuff and how consideration, you saw me and, and we balanced it. And I looked at a lot of stuff back in the day, 22 inch was optimal. And that kind of comes from the, you know, Houston warehouse said 21 and three quarters. So then we kind of looked at 22. Mm -hmm. That decision was because we had seven, eight, nine inch cans. Yeah. So that got you to that 30 max. So 22 was based on now we're seeing a lot more fives. I love the idea of a five-inch can. Yeah. And I think, to me, that's the perfect muzzle device to balance that sound suppression, recoil, and, and everything we're doing and, and not be wieldy, yeah. you know? I mean, our, our six millimeter is, you know, five and a quarter inches. It's, uh, it weighs eight ounces, and it's hearing safe. Like, I'm not wearing ears this, you know, in the next two days. Yeah. You know, you'll be, even with our end cap, you know, because it vents pressure, it's still, you know, you're getting a 36 dB reduction from bare muzzle to suppressed in a can that doesn't add a lot of weight. Five in, right. Weight. It's it's less than six inches and eight ounces. Give yeah. me a break. Yeah. I mean, I that's, mean that's, that's, you know. Pick up a good muzzle device and, and weigh one of those. You know, they're all steel. Mm -hmm. They weigh a ton. They're almost as long. Right, and, right. You know, you're, you're, you're still in that window. You know, I'm a 25 and a half inch guy. Because I run a specific can and because I can get, you know, two setbacks if I decide to do that. And that's what we were, I was just going to bring up that we, we were talking length, barrel length, and you, you were 25 and then saying I can knock it back twice to bring me to the 22-ish zone. Yeah. And then once it's done, it's done. Yeah. So, I, you know, you're getting a little extra out of your barrels um, it, w w with a, a, a process, with a mindset, like this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, I, I made, because on a, at least on my systems, you know, balance is a, Big thing. I don't care what guns weigh. You can make a gun weigh 40 pounds, but if it doesn't balance worth a shit, it's not useful. Right. Um, right. So, like, all my guns are identical. You know, 25 and a half inch barrel, 125 straight. I run Hawk Hills because they're consistent. I have, you know, Red Beer Gunworks does all my chambering. I know that once I get to a certain mark in barrel, I'll yank that, put a new one on. I send the old one back. They cut it to 24, and then I'll get it back and I just run through that cycle. And it, you know, yeah, am I paying for a chamber job more often? Absolutely, but I'm not buying a new barrel, you know, every time I need to Right. Read. I mean, it's compromises, and we, we, we get it, but, I mean, that's that's the world we live in. Yeah. If, if you want to, you know, play this game, there's certain things you have to do if you want to be successful. You could, oh. you could play the game and be, you know, in it and terrible, oh, or you could absolutely. play, you could play I define that terrible, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, or play to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's that's the difference is. Um, man, I think we nailed pretty much all of it and it took us right to the hour. Um, yeah, we hit the gas guns at the end and, and all that. It's just, I, I love suppressors, man. I'm addicted to them. Yeah. I, I've, I've got them from all over. They're just everywhere. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, what can you buy. Owning a can is all right. You should do it. If it's legal in your state, you know, you'll get a benefit from it. And the biggest benefit at the end of the day is getting your family into it. You know, young kids, women, uh, people, you know, men that are averse to, to loud bangs. That's how I got my daughter. Yeah. Everyone, when I started out with my daughter, everything she shot was suppressed. Yeah. It's so much easier to work kids into it and to say, hey, you know, here's, the, here's her 22, it's suppressed. Here's a 5.56, five, it's suppressed. And as you move her up to the 308s, She's suppressed and she doesn't, it, it, it's, and you know what, when you suppress this stuff for kids, 
You're not doing the recoil's going to get you. Yeah. You're not playing that game and uh, and almost scaring them against the gun in a way because you're like, oh, it's going to push you. It's going to do this. When you got a can on it, you don't even think about it. You just do it. Okay, so here's a question for a trainer. How much better do people retain the information you're giving them when shooting suppressed? Oh, Especially from a, from a new shooter's aspect. Ask, they, they're, they're, not, they're not getting beat up. They're not getting pushed around. They're not fighting the bipod coming loose. They're not fighting... Uh, you know, we're masking the recoil, which the recoil is our problem. Yep. Yeah. So I've always, when I've done the sales pitches, suppressors do a great thing of reducing your mental load. Yeah. You know, our brains are really great supercomputers, but they have a finite amount of memory and space that they can use to accomplish tasks. So if I'm running at an 80% mental load and I can run a suppressor that cuts 40% of that, ooh, Smack 40% off that mental load that now opens me up to look at other things. I can now take that anticipation or that loud bang out of my conscious thought and now worry about looking at the wind. Totally. You know, totally. That's all. That's what suppressors do great is they open your, your mental load up to have more bandwidth to accomplish tasks that previously you couldn't do. I couldn't have come up with that better. I mean, that, that's, that's, that nails it right there. That's like your boom moment. So at the, at the one hour and one minute mark, he just gave you the, like the knowledge bomb that it was the, the atom bomb of knowledge bombs. Which is terrible because I'm not very smart. Uh, dude, it was an atom bomb. <laughs> it, 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 it was a, you know, I don't know which one that was. Did you like that sorcerer picture I sent you? The sorcerer? I don't remember the picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go into Atlanta. Sorry, we're, I'll oh, run yes, this I saw that. Yes. Dude, I'm on the tram from ticketing to my gate, and I look over to my left, and I just hear, like, chanting. And I'm like, what, what the fuck is this? And there's this. He, he, I, dude, he had a wizard on his fucking flight. Dude, no, this was just on the tram, but he had to be seven feet tall. Like, you couldn't see his face. I was looking in the glass to try to see reflections, and it was just a black, like, hole inside this, like, red velvet getup. And I'm like. This guy's about to meet Jesus. Like, yeah, dude, it was crazy. He's like, he's like, look at this. I'm like, dude, that's not. He, he's like, there's like a, a wizard on here, and I'm like, that's a reaper, man. That ain't even. A, but he was wearing red, not black. That dude was wearing black. He would have been the grim reaper on your train, and I would have said, dude, check your pulse. It's the. It was the weird one of the weirdest experiences I've had traveling, and this has been a, a stint of weird travel. Isn't I, it? You know, because you find there's always one person in the airports who are like fucking mop level fucking 10, you know? Mm -hmm. And and there's always one person with way too much anti-COVID shit on. And they're getting ready for aliens. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at him and you're going, what a tool, man. And and it, But then this dude was like a wizard. And it was like, he can have all kinds of shit under there and we wouldn't know. And it, it was 90 degrees in Atlanta. So I know that dude was just awful sweating. Oh, man. Yeah, he was, like I said, it was like a Red Reaper. I yep. was like, holy cow, dude, that dude is crazy. And you can't tell from your picture, but now that you say he's seven feet tall, that's probably even makes it worse. Yeah, it was it was one of the more horrifying experiences riding a tram at ATL. Wow, that's nuts, man. Well, I think we covered all of it. The only thing we left to do is to hit the range and go shoot, which we can't bring any of these guys with us. Yeah. Although we can live stream out there. Maybe tomorrow we can throw something up. But um, no, this has been an awesome conversation. There's your suppressor data dump. Um, that uh, I, I don't know how much better do we get than, I mean, we nailed them. We got all kinds. We went from history to marketing to materials to metering, designs, the future. We, we, the future suppressed. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you have a question, you can always just there. You go contact. Yeah. Um, how do how do people reach? If it's not you, the sales team, the website, more information on KGM. So uh, our website is kgm-tech.com. Uh, Instagram is KGM Technologies. Uh, I'm Adam underscore Peeny on Instagram. Uh, one thing that we love doing is being transparent. So if you have a question about you know data on you know this can what does it do here chances are we've metered it and we have it and we'll provide it to you uh, and that's just to give you an idea of what's a going resource, yeah, right, yeah right at the end of the day you know we have a lot of things that are unique to us that are that aren't available to a lot of people so we'll help you out if you have odd questions you know even if our products aren't the answer we'll put you in the direction because again suppressors are the future they've gained in popularity over the last three years they're going to continue to gain 
And uh, yeah, anything we can do to help people shoot suppressed, shoot better, uh, and you know, enjoy the, the firearms industry a little bit more, we're going to do. There you go. Thanks for coming up. Uh, we're going to hit the range and do all this stuff. Uh, we're going to pop over into Mile High and everybody else. But uh, thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper podcast. I got to clean this up just a little bit, but we'll be ready to roll. Um, it'll, it'll drop uh, super soon. And uh, share, comment. We're coming back into shape, uh, getting the house done. I had one other furniture dump yesterday, although they didn't bring my damn chairs. I don't know. This place looks amazing. It looks like you've lived here for years. Does it? Well, I appreciate it. Um, it it's nice to bring everybody in now and be able to do this stuff. Um, have like a, like a, an office almost. Um, you know, I'm using like a whole first floor as an office. And here we are. But thank you guys. Thanks, KGM, for coming out and letting us play with all these cans. I, like I said, this 22 can, I'm, I'm getting ready to shoot the snot out of it because it's 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 purple and looks cool it's got a flame look to it though just the yeah hand-treated flame man that's the great thing about titanium yeah. if you get bored you know you just take a like a methane torch and just sit there and burn it and you can no two are the same and it looks it looks so cool all right guys thanks a lot man we'll talk to you soon that was fun.